uh, you may be seated, 1 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, chapter 12. In order to get an appreciation for the beginning of chapter 12, you kind of have to go back and take a look at some of the things that Paul said in chapter 11 as he was closing out chapter 11. And, and he was uh, beginning to, you know, he got to the point where he was doing some things that he really didn't want to do in order to make his case. You know, he, he didn't enjoy boasting about, you know, what he's done and what he's been through because he felt like he didn't have to, but because the false accusers or the false apostles was coming at him so hard, he started at the end of chapter 11 to talk about some of the things that he had went through for the gospel. If y'all remember, he was talking about he was beaten five times, he got 39 lashes, and he was three times he was beaten with a rod, he was stoned, he was shipwrecked three times, he was robbed, and all those things that was going on, long sleepless nights, hungry, thirsty, and on top of all that, he said, you know, I have to worry about all these churches, too, at the same time. And so now he go to the next level of trying to prove his case uh, against those false accusers, because now he go into a realm that, uh, that, 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 that probably nobody else has ever been in, you know. So this is one of those things. He boasting about something now, but he's going to come back and start boasting about his infirmities. But at first, he's going to kind of say, look here, I done experienced some things that, that I don't believe them other guys done experienced. And, and, and so now he talk about those experiences. And, and what we got to see here is that this is probably one of the most uh, controversial parts of the, the Corinthian letter right here, for how Paul describes certain things because no one can verify this because he even said he didn't even understand it all. So Therefore, we kind of have to take him at his, at his word and then try to imagine maybe what was going on or what he saw because I don't think there is no clear cut. This is exactly what it had. But based on the language, uh, we may see some things that we said, well, we done heard that before. That may have happened like that. But to try to nail it down and say this is exactly what he went through, if he didn't say it, I don't think we can do it justice by trying to say it. We just kind of got to read his account and then go from there. So if you will... When we start in chapter 12, you know, uh, Paul going to let us know that he was granted uh, a vision. He, he had a vision, and, and, and he was taken up into the highest heaven. And, and, and in this vision, he don't clearly say what he saw, but he talked about a lot about what he heard. And, and as a result of that, you know, it has caused a lot of conversation about, uh, around how he used certain words. And so we'll start with this. If y'all keep that in mind as we go to, to verse 1, the vision, he says, this boasting will do no good. And in other words, he, Major, he was trying to say, you know, boasting ain't going to do no good, but he said, I got to go on. You know what I mean? I really don't want to boast, and I know it's not going to do any good, but I must go on. In other words, I got something else that I need to share that can prove my case against these guys who are calling me a fraud, a fraud, a fake, and a swindler, and that, that I'm only doing this for the money, you see? And so he says, now, this boasting will do no good, but I must go on. Then he says, I will reluctantly, I, ain't, I, I, I don't want to tell you, I'm going to reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. Then he comes back and says about this experience. 
I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Well, when he say he don't know, and he was there and experienced it, then for us to sit here and try to figure it out is a waste of time. We just got to say, hey, Paul was caught up. Some used the word rapture right there. He was caught up in something. He, he had an experience, and, and this experience that he had was, some people say, out-of-body experience, okay? And, 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 but he says, whether out of my body or not, I don't know. Only God knows. Now, this third heaven thing has really caused a lot of uh, conversation in the church world because normally in the Bible, when they talk about the heaven and heaven and more, more than the place of God abode, uh, heaven of heavens, it's normally talking about the earth and its atmosphere is one heaven, and then the celestial body is where the stars, the moon, and all that is another heaven, and then above that is the abode of God, the third heaven. But if, when you read some other commentators, during this time, it wasn't uncommon to talk about seven heavens. You see what I'm saying? So, so, but here Paul said he was caught up, and we're going to go with his version, to the third heaven. Now, someone would say, okay, look at that like, okay, maybe heaven is broken up in degrees. If we're not talking about the earth atmosphere, we're not talking about the celestial bodies, and we're talking about the third heaven, then there must be a one and a two. If he's caught up to the third, there must be a one and a two. And so some people have taken that to mean that everybody is going to get to heaven some, in one of those heavens. Some people think that because he said it like that, you know, there's an entry-level heaven for those who just get in by the skin of their teeth. Then there's going to be a heaven for those who did pretty good and live pretty good. And then the third heaven is for those who kind of shine for the Lord. But everybody's going to end up in one of those heavens. So that's a, a teaching that kind of keep your mind from thinking about hell. Because it, it makes you think, okay, if there are three heavens and everybody's going to get there, then we don't have to talk about hell. Because everybody's going to go to one of those three heavens. God is not going to put anybody that he loved, his creation, into hell. So therefore, they must end up in one of these three heavens. Since Paul said he saw three, the third heaven, they got to be one of the two. Well, whether that's how that should be interpreted or not, I just believe there's a heaven. I want to go there. I know the criteria for getting there. I won't debate somebody who will say, well, that is the first heaven or third heaven, because I know in the Mormon faith, they believe in multiple heavens. And so, therefore, the mindset may be that, you know, all our relatives are going to get in. They just won't get into the third heaven, not the highest heaven. They'll get into these other heavens. And so every, everybody stands a good chance of getting saved. And so that will feed into the argument of some people say, Major, then why would a merciful God who loves everybody and Jesus died for everybody, then why would a God send little grandmama who didn't accept Jesus, why would that God send her to, to hell? So it may make the family feel some consolation. They say, well, she really didn't go. She just went to the first heaven. Okay, yeah, grandmama got to the first heaven, you know, that's okay. She's in, as long as she got in. And then maybe, you know, if I believe in praying folks even higher after they're gone,
then now maybe we can pray her to the third heaven. You know, so people have taken this and built all kinds of thought processes off it. So that's why some religions talk about purgatory. You know, you kind of go there as a holding pattern, and then you didn't live right, but, you know, we, we ain't going to give up on you. Major didn't, Major didn't do everything he's supposed to do, but he's gone now. We ain't going to give up on him. So while he's down there in that holding pattern in purgatory, we're going to believe we can pray him in. Again, if someone believes that, I'm not going to argue with them about that at all. All I'm going to say is that I know who the way, the truth, and the light is. I need to accept him. And whether I end up in first, second, or third heaven, or whatever Paul was talking about here, I'm just going to end up in the place of where God is, where Jesus is. Because he come back and used this language. And, and the reason I tried to spend some time in there, because I know no matter what kind of study you do on this, you're going to find a wide range of viewpoints on verse 2. I mean, it just opens itself up, itself up for quite a bit of discussion. So uh, then he says, yes, verse 3, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise. And that's a common term that we'd have heard because Jesus talked about paradise. So that must be paradise. Paradise may be synonymous with saying heaven because Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. In the Old Testament, it talks about paradise, you know, as a place. And so therefore, some people say paradise is synonymous with heaven. And, and he says, I was caught up to paradise and I heard things so astounding that cannot be expressed in words. Things no human is allowed to tell. Now, that is purely open up to all y'all imagination. I mean, however you interpret that in your mind, you can interpret it because he don't tell us what he heard because he said he heard something he couldn't express in words. Things that no human is allowed to tell. So apparently he experienced some things in this place, in this uh, uh, state of being, he experienced some things that he can't even talk about. And, and so that's kind of, you know, that, that's kind of make us say, okay, now, man, I got to really start believing this word by faith now. Because he done said a whole lot that I can't wrap my mind around in the natural. So I got to take Paul's testimony by faith that believed that out of this experience, he had an encounter more powerful than his Damascus Road experience, but he had an encounter where he went to the place where the Lord abides, to the third heaven. Saw some things, heard some things in paradise that he cannot express in words. Uh-huh. You know, I, I have heard people talk about out-of-body experiences, you know, uh, people who have been in situations. A lot of times I've heard it from people who said that something happened to them and they, was, they, were, they died. And, you know, while they was on the table, they died. And during that time, they had an experience out-of-body, and then they came back. And they believe that, hey, I, I had that experience. Now, I, don't, I can't argue with folks. They, if, they, if somebody who, you know, the flatline, 
and the, and the machine done said they're gone, and all of a sudden, five minutes later, they come back. If they say they done had out about experience, hey, man, I ain't going to argue with them. I ain't going to argue with them. But go ahead, Brother Anthony. Look, you want to say something else? I was talking about I've written things I can't even talk about. But yet still you find people with their own vision of whatever and they brag about what I, I was in heaven and I saw the golden streets and uh, the pearly gates and you know, man. So is, is it just where they go ahead and they're trying to magnify themselves? You know, and I can't answer that. I, I really can't. Because I, I've heard people say, you know, I've had dreams, I've had visions, and so therefore, all I can say is that I never saw grandmama after she left. I never saw my daddy or my mama or Jeanette after they left. Now, some people may say, hey, I had that kind of encounter. That may be. I've had dreams about those people, but I can't say I saw them on some streets paved with gold. And so someone can take something that is in the Bible and fit it to their imagination. And, and you know, you just have to take it at face value. I mean, uh, because if people are talking about what they think they have experienced, now, and, and like what Paul's saying here, it was some things that he couldn't explain. And so therefore, as he talked about this, either you believe him or you don't. You can say he lying, but you can't prove that he lying. He say, this is what happened to me. And it happened 14 years ago. And we do know that he spent some time in Arabia just from his writing and, and the other book Luke wrote about in, in, in uh, Acts, that he did spend some time away. And during that time, there's a lot of speculation that he had that encounter, and that's how he became so knowledgeable about the gospel in Jesus because during those three years that he was in Arabia, he had some encounter. You know, no different than maybe when John wrote the book of Revelation and he saw some things and started writing about. So I can't answer how a person and any of you who wake up tomorrow morning and say, man, when I was asleep, I had an out-of-body experience last night. I saw this as plain as day, da-da-da-da-da. It's hard to argue with that. Now, if someone's going to fabricate that, to make themselves feel like they're more spiritual, then, you know, that's where you're going to have to be able to discern, you know, when you listen to folk. Because there ought to be some other things that line up with that too, you know. And, and, and so, but again, this is a, this is a, a very, very controversial part of 2 of, of Corinthians, this particular chapter here, and how Paul addressed this without clearly stating exactly what happened to him. Now he says this. After he, and again, you got to keep in mind, Brother Herb, he's doing this to shut some folk up. <laughs> you know, you know, he said he didn't want to boast in the last chapter, but, but apparently all that stuff that he, I read about at the beginning, the five times being beaten with 39 lashes, that must not have shut everybody up. So he said, let me talk about an experience that I guarantee you None of y'all ever had. So that's why he come back and say, in verse 5, that is worth boasting about. But I'm not going to do it. He just told you what he experienced, but he said, look, like there's some more to it. 
But I don't want to keep boasting about it because I don't want this to become about me. Because if I keep talking, I'm going to make this thing about me and not about the Lord. And, and all I want to do is to get my accusers off of me. And so he says, that experience is worth boasting about. I mean, Major, if you had had the experience like that in outer body where you saw heaven and you saw yourself dead and they told you, hey, man, you flatline on the table, I think that's worth talking about. You will have to talk about that. So Paul said, hey, an experience like that is worth boasting about. But I'm not going to do it. I will only boast about my weaknesses. In other words, I'm going to talk about the things that have happened to me, the things I've been through, not to make myself look good, but to make the Lord look good. So my boasting is going to be in the Lord, even though I'm going to talk about these experiences that I'm having in order to combat what my adversaries are saying about me. Y'all following so far? So now look at this. He says, if I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so. You know what he's saying right there, Major? He's saying, look, if I really wanted to boast, with that story that I just told you, <laughs> that's a deal breaker right there. I mean, that's, that's a powerful story. So I wouldn't be a fool and boasting about something because he's going to tell us why. Because I will be telling the... So he's saying, look, man, when I got some of these experience, as long as I'm not lying, you're going to just have to take your time and just listen to me. Let me just talk about it because I'm telling you the truth. Now, whether you can handle the truth or not and take it the wrong way, he said, look, I will be no fool in doing so because I am telling the truth. Going back to something that Brother Anthony said. See, that's the problem we have when... When we know people who say things of this nature, we have a hard time trying to figure, are they telling the truth? <laughs> this, this, this dude lying, man. This, this dude said he lying. He lying. But you got to listen to the whole story. And then, you know, try the spirit by the spirit, what the Bible says. So you got to hear the brother out or the sister out. Let them talk. And sooner or later, if what they're saying ought to line up with God's word somewhere, there ought to be something that's consistent with the word. And so Paul here said, man, I'm telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. He says, look, I'm not going to talk about that so much. I want you to talk about what you have seen me do. Something that you, some real evidence, something that you can verify. Yeah, I done been to the third heaven and I done had that experience, but since you can't handle that, just look at my everyday life. Just look at the things I'm doing for the Lord. Look at the things I've been through for the Lord, and, and, and that ought to be enough if you can't handle what I just told you. He says, he says, I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in message, even though I have received such wonderful keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and to keep me from becoming proud. That's another controversial thing he said there. Nobody really understand or know what this messenger from Satan was, why the Lord gave him this message. 
we do know that he believed it was sent so that he could stay humble. Because when you have an experience and a testimony like he just had, it's easy to let that go to your head. And, and you can forget about the Lord and ministry can become all about you. And so he said, look, this looked like it was put in my life so that I wouldn't get a, an inflated ego and everything become about Paul and not about Jesus. And so there's a lot of thought out there exactly. Was this a spiritual thing that he was going through? This thorn in his flesh? Or was it something physical? Now, I've read many, many books on this. Some think Paul had a physical ailment, maybe with his sight and different things like that. Some think it was a spiritual attack. Nobody know exactly what it was, but it was an irritant. A thorn is designed to irritate you. You know, and, and, and it's just like a thorn in your finger. After you stay there a couple days, you'll be surprised how something that small can irritate you. Kind of like a rock in your shoe. It ain't that big, but it's there just to irritate you. So, so it looked like Paul said, look, whatever it was that was given to me, it was given to me just to be an irritant so that I would not get caught up in my pride. Anybody got any comments on that? I mean, I, you know, I'd uh, like to hear your thoughts on that. And your thought is your thoughts. He said, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and to keep me from becoming proud. Yeah, Pastor, he got a thorn from God. Okay. A messenger was sent by God. So it's not that anything that bad happened to us, some things are happening for a reason. Because like you said, for Paul, they're trying to keep him humble. So they might be the things that God bring in our lives to bring justice to us. Amen. Keisha, got a mic? Get a mic. Brother Mike got a mic right now. Go ahead and then Keisha, you get a mic while Brother Mike is talking. Yes, my, my comment on that I have heard, um, I think from since the time I accepted Christ, when I was about 17 years old, I've heard different preachers give different views on, on, that, on that subject. And um, I've listened to, listened to some commentaries that says that they don't believe is anything that has to do with his physical life as not seeing or his eyesight or ears because he wrote, he could see everything and every way they checked him out, there is no way they can find there was anything wrong with his hearing or his seeing or anything of that nature. But the thorn in the flesh, like he said, that he was, he's seen things that men should not have seen and he would not exalt himself. So that thorn, like you said, Pastor, could be something in his flesh that God put in there so he would remind him who he was as well, you know, like people may have different views on that, but that's what I, I'm trying to explain to you. Okay. And I think it's more metaphorically. Um, I was just talking to Major about this with this class that I have. <laughs> and I was telling him how, you know, growing up, I've always been a person that has been in the front and have led and been first and, and maybe God may be tall and loud and all those type of things for that reason. So with all of that, he knew me. So he has to sometimes 
deny me certain things or delay certain things for me to, to keep me humble. And I think with, with Paul, when you think about it, he was just somebody who was going around slaying all these people, doing all this stuff, da da da, wasn't afraid of nothing, had this whole thing, and, and God knew him. And so I think it's met more metaphoric to say, I need you to have a reminder that you need me, that you need to understand that I am the person who allows you to do those certain things and you can't get above yourself. And I'm just so grateful to be 52 and at the place where I'm like, God, I was telling uh, Major, I said I, I had read this quote and it said, when you go through a trial, you either get wounded, you get to be wounded or wise. And so the wounded, just like if you get hurt, you're constantly looking at it, it's bringing you down, you're doing all this stuff. But I think Paul used that as a way of wisdom so that he could grow from it. And he knew the power he had and the things that he had. But after the experience with God, he needed to understand where it came from. And that was just a personal thing that God had with him. And that's the same thing with me. It's personal when God humbles me and I'm taking this class and I had to fail a test and retake it. And man, I was in my feelings. And I was like, oh my God, because you know, I don't like to be subpar on nothing. And he had to just let me know. And I mean, I woke up at two o'clock in the morning with that. It was, I was telling Major, I said, I was just all messed up. But I, I, I understand Paul's experience with that. And me just trusting God. So the day I got 100 on another test, and so, you know, I walked out of there with my chest puffed out like, yep, I got this right. <laughs> but I have to understand that sometimes God is like, slow down and know I put you there. And when I failed that test, the first thing that happened when I got in the car, he said, I didn't bring you this far to leave you. So I thank God for that. And I, and I can totally understand what Paul is in that experience. Amen. And see, and it, and it goes back to, you know, we hear people say a lot of things a lot of times. You know, another one is that's common. And, and, and it's controversial in some people's mind. Keisha just used part of when she said, I heard God say to me. I, I hear people get up in the morning, I will stand in the mirror and the Lord spoke to me. And there are some people that don't believe God speak to folk like that. But there are some people, Paul talked about more of what he heard than what he saw. So I believe God can speak to us if we just got to be sensitive to receive what he's saying. You see? And, and so, so Paul says here, now, you know, Major, he, he, he wasn't content with that thing like, like we thought Paul would be, you know, because if he had been content, he would have just accepted it and said, okay, I got to live with it. But he, he went whining to the Lord three times. Three times. Not one time. So that ought to help some of us to say, you ain't got, ain't nothing wrong with you going back to the Lord, pleading your case. I know I heard some people say, well, you know, if you walk by faith and you pray one time, you ought to just believe it. No. Paul prayed three times. <laughs> he should have just believed the Lord was going to take it out the first time. But he prayed three times. So you know, they done laid hands on you and you still coughing? You keep praying. <laughs> Amen. Look here. He said, now look. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Man, I, I, this irritant, whatever it was, it was annoying me, and I begged God, look, take this thing away. And each time, then going red here because Jesus is doing the talking, each time he said, my grace is all you need. In other words, my grace is sufficient. My favor on your life is all you need. If you walk in that, you're going to be all right. 
So he said, my grace is all you need. And he said, look, this is where he messed us up because he says, my power works best in weakness. In our human weakness, in our humility, God can be more powerful. When we come in a spirit of humility and, 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 and we act in humbleness and a broken and contrite heart, he can work through us. But sometimes when we come with pride and arrogance, we don't hear from him because we think we know just as much as he knows. More than sometimes? Then we know more. So he says, my power works best in weakness. So therefore, if we want more of God's power, we got to humble ourselves more. Major, go ahead. I read, uh, and it said, you know, what, what man has a hard time doing is seeing himself as insufficient to receive God as sufficient. So you got to humble yourself like you're saying, and say, hey, I can't do this. I can't do this by myself. And so that may mean that you have to say to yourself, hey, it's some things that I can't work out of my life myself, by myself. But it means, hey, I'm insufficient to do this. I need God in this. Amen. I need his strength. I need his help. I need the wisdom that comes from above. You know, sometimes we can get to the point where we think it's all about us and we lose sight of him. And therefore, that's when that humbling experience comes. You know, that's when you find out that, hey, you really can't do this thing all by yourself. You know, and, 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 and so when he says my grace is sufficient or all that you need, my power works best in weakness. Look at this. He says, so now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses, the things I've gone through and the things that I, you know, struggle with so that the power of Christ can work through me. I will humble myself and become weak so that the power of Christ can work better in me. It's easy for the Lord to deal with us when we are operating in humility rather than when you got to come against our pride. It was pride that got the devil kicked out of heaven. You know, Lucifer was not a bad name. It's a bad, we look at it as a bad name now, but God named him. Lucifer. Bright star. Some say he was the, the, the choir director in heaven. I heard folks say that day. I don't know. He did direct the choir. They kind of gave that title to him. And, and, but, but God named him. But it was because of his pride and his arrogance, he wanted to be God. And that's why he got kicked out of heaven. Because when he was created, he wasn't a devil. But because he lost sight of who God was, then now he become Lucifer and a bad name and Satan and all those other names. And so therefore, right now, no, nobody in their right mind named their child Lucifer. Because the devil, the devil done gave Lucifer a bad name. He really has. But I guarantee, now I hadn't done no deep study on it, but I guarantee if you go back and look up the root word for Lucifer, I guarantee Lucifer in itself has no connotation of evil. He made it evil. If you look it up in the Hebrew, I'm pretty sure it means something about bright and shining and got nothing to do with being no devil. But when he became God, and tried to be God, rather, and God kicked him out, then he got a lot of other names to go along with that. And Lucifer now becomes a bad name. 
You know, you don't even have to be a Bible scholar. And you hear somebody say, Lucifer. You know, you just, it just comes over, oh, man, that's bad, somebody bad. So I don't know. Anybody y'all ever ran across anybody named Lucifer? Huh? I, 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 I'm out of years on 70 years on earth. I ain't never ran across a Lucifer. I and mean, maybe some out there, you know, but I just don't see a mama looking at their little pretty baby and say, I'm calling you Lucifer. Brother Mike, go ahead. I know his name, Ben. Lucifer, son of the morning. Son of the morning. And so, therefore, he took a good name and made it bad. Amen. And so, that, that think about that in the natural. Most of us were born in the families, and our family had a good name. And when you were born in that family, they expected you to uphold the name. If granddaddy was this type of person, he was good, 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 did these things, he expected to pass that on down, and he don't expect you to go out there and tarnish his name. So therefore, God had an expectation, but Lucifer tarnished his name. And so now he got a whole lot of other names to go along with that, and the good name is now associated more with the bad name than when it was a good name. And so Paul was saying, look, man, he was understanding that he had become weak because he didn't want his pride to get the best of him. He says, now look at this. So now I can, I, I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That is why I take pleasure in my weaknesses. Now I see weakness as a whole nother, in a whole nother realm, from a whole nother perspective. See, because nobody likes to be called weak. Amen? And so therefore he's saying that now that I understand that through my weakness I get strength, I see weakness in a whole nother light. Now that's a spiritual transaction in your mind because in the natural, we don't cherish weakness. Amen? <laughs> we, we did that, don't, we, we, that, don't, that, don't, that don't tie up with our natural way of thinking to think that when I'm weak, I'm going to be strong. Kind of like turn the other cheek. Keisha probably say, that was just metaphorically speaking. He really wasn't meant that literally. Well, that's open for debate. But he was trying to teach us something when it comes to being humble and not wanting to retaliate against folk. But until somebody slaps you in the face, you don't know what you're going to do. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you know, I mean... So we all sit here and believe that we're going to follow Jesus' instruction. Go and slap Brother Herb and he's going to just say, oh, well, here's the other one. <laughs> I don't know. Herb said, I ain't that weak. <laughs> but anyway, he said, so he says, I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults. Wow. Man. No. No, you don't. It made you talk to me about the insults, no, man. No. You just, ooh, I just I mean, to, right to take, now to take pleasure in that. Maybe that's metaphoric, like he said. But I mean, <laughs> I, does, does he really mean that? To take pleasure in insults, persecution, trouble. Oh, I'm glad to have this. Listen, I'm sorry, but I told Pastor this. We just had this conversation, Pastor. I said I don't get nothing easy, ever. When, you know, and that's the truth. Like every time, it's like it, 
God just sends me through that path. Like, there are some people who just always just, I feel like, and it may not be everybody, that walk through life. But for me, if I'm going to get it and it's worth it and I got to move, it's coming at a cost. And so I stopped debating it and always woe is me about it and start going, okay, God. And it has made me stronger and made me wiser over the years because I take not the wounded route, but the wisdom route in things. Amen. Yes, Major. When I say that, not not saying bring it to me, but when it happens, I go, okay, God. You know what I'm saying? Not like walking down the street like, give it to me, Lord. No. But if it happens. <laughs> amen, amen. Just to piggyback on what Keisha said, I agree with Keisha. You know, I always got to go through this stuff. I, you know, I sometimes find myself asking God, questioning him about why? and that to get to that. You know, why? And you know, taking pride in it, oh no, not at all. Uh, going through it, it does not feel good, but in the end, I see why I had to go through this to get to that. Amen. But Major, go back to his point. He says, Paul says, that's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults and hardships, and persecution, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That just don't make sense. <laughs> that don't make sense to the natural man. I mean, you know, when you're trying to sell that argument to somebody out in the world, and you're trying to give them to come to Jesus, they ain't coming with that argument right there. You, you're going to have to come with some power, and some dunamis, and all that. They can believe that, but they can't believe being strong in weakness going to happen. And, and so that's why it's important. Jeremy, what you going to say something? Get a mic. Get a, get a mic. Now we want you to say something. Amen. <laughs> but I think over time your faith develops and you, you can talk like that now. I mean, Paul in the beginning, I don't believe he could talk like that, but now he has matured as a Christian, he can talk like that. So now you embrace hardships. But in the beginning, I don't believe that was so. <laughs> I think as you mature in the faith, you start to talk like that. Hey Amen. That's a good point. Good point. Brother Herb? Thanks, Jeremy. Test one, two, three. One of the things that for Paul, that he was already prophesied what he was going to be able to do, what he was going to do on his mission. And his, all his mission is for the Lord. He's been a representative. And so he's already to a point where he learned what it's going to take to go through what his mission was. So he never lost sight of what his mission was. And everything that he did was doing for the Lord. He had a message, and he was going forth in that message. And some people ain't going to like the message, and people ain't going to like him no more than that what he had learned. They didn't like Jesus either. And Amen. So he would stay in that uh, understanding that God was going to strengthen him to go through of what his mission was. So he can him. say that because everything wasn't about him. It was about the mission that he was, he was on. Amen. So he took that for heart so he knows what he was going to go through. Amen. And one more thing, Pastor. When we think about it, everybody in this room has been through Jesus. And God has brought us through. 
There's not one person sitting in this room, because we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't believe in the guy, we wouldn't know him. If we, I mean, and we don't talk about it, because sometimes it can be small things, sometimes it can be embarrassing things, sometimes it can be whatever. And he has bought us through those things. So when you think about having to go through something else, you don't like it, right? In that regard, what, what Mason was saying, but we delight in the fact that God's going to see us through it. Amen. Amen. And, and so keeping in the context that Paul is, these last couple of chapters that we went through, Paul is pleading his case. I mean, he is pleading to a church that he started. That, that and later on, right now, we're going to say he transitioned. He's going to be disappointed that they didn't come to his defense. That he had to tell all of this in, in order to get those false prophets off of him, those false apostles off of him, who was accusing him of taking their money and stealing and, and manipulating them and all that. I mean, he was coming against all that. And, and, and now he's going to start talking to the Corinthians kind of like a, a father talking to a child, you know, and, and to a certain degree. And he's going to kind of mention his disappointment. I mean, you know, he, let's look at this, verse, verse 11. He says, you have made me act like a fool. <laughs> Y'all got to get that. Maybe that'll be like me, Pastor Bolden, saying, look here, man. I started striving for perfection ministry, along with a couple other people, 27 years ago. And because of that, you ought to be able to Speak on my behalf. But because y'all kept silent, I had to act like a fool and tell some folks something that I shouldn't have had to say because you should have said. God, y'all don't get, y'all get that. <laughs> he said, now, he said, you have made me act like a fool. Boasting like this, man. I had to talk about the third heaven. And I, I had to say all those things. I had to go through all that. All because you guys would not defend me. When those folks were making all those allegations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you ever say, you said we can get upset, huh? <laughs> well, you got to go back to the other chapter when Paul say, this ain't the, this about the third time he tells me y'all done made me act like a, a fool. I mean, I'm acting out of character. Huh? I, I, I'm acting. He said, the, the devil, he said, y'all made me act like a fool. <laughs> and he considered boasting about those things as being foolish because earlier he had said he would not boast. But I guess when he had to win his case, he had to pull out the boasting card. Y'all got to get it to what he's saying. You have made me act like a fool, boasting like this. Well, we just read all the stuff he was boasting about. His experiences. In the last chapter, the end of that, then now him talking about he done been to the third heaven. And he saw something he can't even explain. You know, He's sounding deep. He boasted. <laughs> you know, how many of y'all done been there? I mean, he boasted now. I done been to the third heaven. How many of y'all done been there? How many of them false prophets, them liars? How many of them done been there? I've been to the third heaven. And Paul said, look here, y'all made me act like a 
boasting like this. <laughs> and look, at he got that thorn to keep me in check. He said, now look, look what he tell him. You ought to be writing commendations for me. Man. Major, I would hope that I know enough about you from the little time I've known you all these years, whatever that come out to be, that, man, if I had to write a commendation letter, I could say some good things about you so you wouldn't have to boast and get up there and blow your own horn. But if bold and no right you nothing, you ain't got no other choice. You got to tell the story. Amen. And so he said, look, man, I wouldn't have had to act like a fool if y'all had just wrote a letter. Look at this. For I am not an inferior, I am not at all inferior to those, these super apostles, even though I am nothing at all. And again, Paul did not have a complex because some looked down on him Early, we found out that they didn't think he was an orator. He wasn't as eloquent as some of the other speakers that came through. And so he's saying, even though you're comparing me to folks that you consider to be super apostles, man, I'm not inferior to them. And see, you ought to have that same attitude that you are not inferior to anybody else in the kingdom of God. You know, ain't no super saints. Sometimes there's no so super saints. Man, ain't no super saints. That's just some folk to say. They, they, they get self-made title. They ain't super saints. What's a super saint? What's a super saint look like? Come to church every Sunday, wear long dresses, wear long coats, whatever. What's a super saint? Don't listen to no music no more. It's a super saint. I mean, what is a super saint? And so... You ought to feel comfortable with who you are in the Lord. And you shouldn't be comparing yourself to other folk. You got to walk the walk that the Lord has given you and the course that you've been given to run, you got to run it. And you got to run it to the best of your ability. We all got guidelines. We all got rules. We all know the do's and don'ts. That apply to all of us. Every, every game got rules. But what we got to understand is that as we do what the Lord has called us to do, we can't do it with an inferior mindset. And sometimes I see people in ministry, they think because they haven't been doing something as long as somebody else or don't sound as good as somebody else, that they're inferior to that person. And you got to rely on the spirit on the inside of you, not your natural abilities. And I'm telling you, the Spirit of God will give you what you need when you need it if you trust him. Now, I'm not saying you don't have to study, you don't have to do, put in the lead work up front, but I'm trying to say is never see yourself less than somebody else because they got a title, because they got this, that, and the other, because at the end of the day, they are not super saints. Most of them behind the scenes ain't nothing like you see on stage. No super saints. And so he says, I'm not inferior, inferior at all to those super apostles. 
even though I am nothing at all. In other words, I see myself as less than, but because I know who I am in the Lord, I don't see myself as being inferior to those who are tearing my name down, who, who are trying to turn you against me, who are saying that I'm doing you wrong. He said, look at this. In verse 12, he says, when I was with you, I certainly gave you proof that I am an apostle. For I patiently did many signs and wonders and miracles among you. Now, it don't, he didn't say what he did, but you can kind of go back and track him through Acts and different places that he went to and the things that happened to Paul. Probably he healed some people, probably cast out some demons. The things that he did, he said some things that were profound. One of the things that, turned, that people thought, you know, if you don't remember uh, when, when they got shipwrecked and it was cold, they put the hand in the fire and he got bit by the snake or whatever, got bit him, and everybody else stood back and was waiting for him to drop dead. And when he didn't drop dead, all of a sudden they believed, boy, you must be a man of God. But at first they thought he was a demon. They thought he was evil, he was wicked, because you don't put your hand in the fire, God is getting you back. You must have did somebody wrong. That snake done bit you on the hand. And Paul lived through it. Now, what that tell me is that I believe sometimes things can happen to you that was meant to kill you and don't. But it don't mean you tempt God. Now, some people believe that, hey, you can go handle you some snakes. That's what you want to do. Go ahead. But that ain't what God called me to do. Amen. But, but there are some people who do really believe that because they think they got the faith that they can do that. But here what I want you to see is that Paul understood who he was and that the Lord blessed him to do things that will let people see the power of God working through him. And so, you know, those of you who have been studying with us the whole time, man, when we went through the book of Acts and all these other books that we've studied, Paul, you, you already got a picture in your mind the things that he was doing and the type of ministry that he had and, and how he uh, had miraculous things that happened. Just talk about the jail. The earthquake in the middle of the night. I mean, you know, they walk out. I mean, you just talk about some of the things when he was left for dead. And so, so when he started saying he did those things amongst them, and those should have been things that would convince them that he was who he said he was. Now look at this, man. This was one of them flips right here, Jeremy, when he said this. And, and, I, and I had to study and read different long majors. Because he was talking about their money. <laughs> you know, you get church folk attention when you talk about their, their money. You can talk about anything, but don't talk about the money in church. Don't talk about the money. They, they don't want to hear that. I, I just went to the word money right now, the spirit. I just felt it came over some of y'all right now. Oh, God. Because <laughs> y'all just, just don't equate money in the church, and you just don't equate money. Let's talk about your money. So look what Paul said. He says, now, y'all ain't going to get this one. I know you ain't going to get this one. He says, the only thing I fail to do, which I do in the other churches, was to become a financial burden to you. Good God Almighty. Then he said, please forgive me for this wrong. Major, you've been with us the whole time. What was Paul really saying, man? You know, from the previous lesson, what was he saying? Look, man, he said, I look back, but in this, what is he really saying? 
What do y'all think? Your take on that? Anybody? Let me read it again. <laughs> he said, now, the only thing I fail to do, which I do in other churches, in other words, when I go to other churches, I receive an offering. I receive something. They take care of me when I go to other churches. But when I came to y'all, because someone had lied that I was trying to take from y'all, I didn't take nothing from you all, and I still shared the gospel with you. That's why I had to work as a tent maker with y'all. When I go to other places, I ain't had to work. I ain't had to work at night and then, you know, work all day and preach all night. But he said, because of y'all and the way y'all were, man, look here. I, he said, man, I did y'all wrong. You, <laughs> he was trying to be funny, Major. He, he was trying to be funny. He wasn't saying it like when he said, please forgive me. He, he was trying to be funny because what he really means is I should have. I, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. So how can you say that I, I would steal from you? I didn't even take money from you. But, 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 but look what he said, man. Let me go back and read the whole thing. He says, the only thing I failed to do which I do in the other churches. I get paid in the other churches. But for you, because of your attitude and the way you were, because I love you so much, the money wasn't an issue. I'm going to preach this gospel to y'all for free, and I'm going to work at night as a tent maker and do other things, and I'm going to do that without asking y'all for anything. Then he says, was to become a financial burden to you. Then he says, Please forgive me for this wrong. He was saying, I was wrong. In other places, he said he felt like he made them an inferior church. Because this church, as you know, Major, had the means. And you know from what we just preached about this last week, the poor churches in Macedonia, he used them to get these guys to finish their offering. This is the same church that had promised that they were going to give an offering, and then all of a sudden, now a year later, they forgot about the promise. And Paul said, because of all that confusion in the church there, while I was with y'all, I did not take anything from y'all. Now he looked back at that and said, I may have been, I may have failed you by doing that. But, but when he did that, he, he, he did that only because he didn't want them to make that an issue. He didn't want them to think that, okay, this is the only reason why I'm taking money from you, I'm stealing from you. He didn't want the false prophets, what they were saying, to be true. So he said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this for free. So you, you can't hold that against me. That, that's why he did that. When we, when we talked about it before, he was saying that, look, I ain't even going to take no money from y'all because I don't want you to come back and say later that, oh, you were just here for the money. You didn't want the false prophets to say, this is, this is why you're doing this. You're just doing this for the money. So he said, I don't want your money. And so what? he said, now he's saying, he I said, should have took your money. Not, well, that's what he said. He said, look, I did all these signs and wonders and miracles among you. The only thing I failed to do, which means that he now looked back and said, I should have did that too. And, and I think he's saying that because you were talking about how wealthy this church was. So you know, like they said, who they God really was. So to him, if it would have been a financial situation. He might have had more of their attention. No, 
Well, I mean, because he was talking about when he didn't take the money, he said, I don't want to give you a reason to say that I took the money and it was about me. Correct. But, what, but Major, what I'm saying is that it was a failure because in his mind and where God had him, that was where his heart was. The people in that church, their heart wasn't there yet. So it could have been a situation where he started off one way and then pulled back. But he was coming with them with the heart that God had given him, and they wasn't there. Their heart was still with their money. Well, but I, I thought he was doing it to say, look, I don't want your, your money. I want your heart. I want you. I don't, I, don't, I don't want your money. That's why I thought he did it originally. And then now he's saying, I should have did it. I don't think that was his intent in the beginning. I think his intent was to say that, look, I ain't here for your money. I want you. But his intent was to win these people over to Christ. Right, right. But to do that. But to do that, he took a godly approach on what God had given him in his heart, right, and expected them to reciprocate that, but they weren't there. Right. You know how when you talk to some people, when they say money talking, uh -huh. right, it's the way it is. If you talk to somebody who's wealthy, they'll sit there all day long and be nice to you, may do something nice, but it don't make money if it don't make sense. Like, I, mean, I, 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 I hear what you're saying, but I just was under the impression that the reason he didn't take money was so that they couldn't say, this is, this is the reason why. Early on, Major, you're right. He said that, you know, because of the, because the false prophets, right. he let them get to him. And, and because they was accusing him of being, you know, a traveling preacher who just coming by to take their money and keep moving, he said, okay, for you, I won't do that. But these smaller churches, he told them, it was the smaller churches who were supporting me while I'm here teaching to y'all. And at the same time, when you go back to Acts chapter 16, I think, he was with Priscilla and Aquila working as a tent maker while he was in Corinth. Yeah, and he, like you said, he was trying to shame them, but they didn't care. They was like, okay, you ain't going to take our money? Cool. Think uh, about that with your kids, you know? It don't make nothing. They don't mind spending your money. You know what I'm saying? You don't get their attention until they little $200 check got to pay for whatever it is. But you still love them. You still doing all those things for them and everything. So I think with him, he still meant the love of God. But he was saying, maybe I made a mistake in not getting y'all attention the right way. The pastor Good. said, verse 11, he said, you made me look like a fool. Because y'all should have been writing accommodation. These are people that know Paul. So we're trying to formulate about why. These are people that know. It's like pastors are the pastor. And we're trying to act like we don't know Larry Bowman. And Larry said, look, we got a need of such and such and such. And we act like we don't have money in our pocket to give. These are people that knew Paul. And that's why he's saying, look, I should have went on ahead and put the same burden on you because you have the will and the need to do and how, how do we grow if we don't get discipline? And that's why they're still staggering because they're still worried about menial things and he should have, and he was thinking about, I should have educated you. Amen. Now, now look, look at this again. Let me read it again. Because he got through patiently talking about the signs and wonders and, and the miracles he did amongst them. And then he says, the only thing I fail to do, which I do in, which I do, which I do in the other churches, was to become a financial burden to you. In other words, he should have put a little financial burden pressure on them. They should have paid for his meals while he was there with him. That, that was it. They, that was it. 
So, and, and you remember Major earlier he said, I, I robbed, you remember he used that term, I robbed the smaller churches while I was with y'all. Because, because they were supporting me while you all weren't, and you were well able to do it. But just so that you wouldn't accuse me of being a thief, I would do it out because I love you so much, like you're saying, Major. Because you're going to say that here in a minute. But he said, now look, please forgive me for this wrong. He said he felt like it was wrong for them not giving. just didn't want the narrative to be hey you you like you said you're just a traveling preacher you just like everybody else you're just here for the money because there was some false prophets that were doing that and so I thought he said well look this is not me so I'm not going to take the money I, I, I'm not even gonna, I'm not even going to give you that that voice to say hey you just like all the other preachers you just traveling through stopping through and getting our money and then moving on and then now it looks like he's looking back at that says, please forgive me for doing you wrong. Because that probably would have made you a better church. Go ahead, Brother Mike. Yeah, Paul knew himself that the Corinthian church was one of the richest churches. Yeah, I got him. Yeah. The Corinthian church was one of the richest churches because it's a commercial city. They are all big sports and everything was happening over there. And he knew the church was well able to help or to give him an offering. And then the same thing you said, Pastor, he said that he robbed other churches, churches that were poor, that gave him an offering. And then he was using all, all his substance, all the means in the Corinthian church where they should have been giving him an offering, but he wasn't pressing on them because he knew how they are behaving. And so, the, like the false prophet is talking about, is their giving. But he's, he's letting them know what he did and what he's doing, and the church should go ahead and give him some money. But he don't want to talk about it. And he feels that he should have spoken about it because it, it would have been a better church, like Pastor said. If he had tell them, just tell them the truth, tell them what they need to do. It's like sometimes we don't tell people the word of God. We, 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 we change the thing in the word of God, and we don't want people to feel guilty. We don't want to let them know what the Bible says. What the word of God says, it says that. And then we don't fix it. We have to put it straight to them. And he don't want to have a bad name or try to receive money so he can give these false prophets things to say. But the truth is that was the richest church. And he and the rest of the churches that were poor were helping him and that's what he was doing it. Okay. And and that's a good point. Because when we read on, Major, even though he said I should have been I did you wrong, he said I'm coming back a third time. And, 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 you know, it'll be like, you know, man, I've been to y'all twice and y'all ain't did nothing for me. I ain't coming back again, man. You know, I ain't even get an honorarium. You ain't even put me up in, you ain't let me stay in a hotel. You could at least give me a hotel, you know, in a meal or two hours with me. You ain't giving me nothing. So, but he said, now I'm coming back a, a third time. Most of us ain't going to come back the second time. <laughs> That's just how folk are. But he said, I'm coming back. Uh, look at this. Verse 14. Now I'm coming to you for the third time. And I will not be a burden to you. Major, look, he said, look here. I'm, I know I was wrong the last time, but I ain't going to come back and change. I'm still not going to be a burden to you. Look, why? 
want you to have. I don't want what you have. I want you. You are more important to me than your money. God going to provide all my needs. So therefore, I will make this sacrifice so that I can win you. So why would he go back and say, I should have I got your money? Because the Corinthian church, it wasn't the entire church that said, well, you know what, we believe in the false prophets. It was just some of them. So I'm sure that was a rich church. If he would have said, hey, I need an offering, he would have gotten an offering. Now, some wouldn't have gave, just, just like anywhere you go. But he still, but to come back and say, now, you know what, I should have asked y'all. Well, you could have asked them in the beginning. Now, some weren't going to give because they were believing the false prophets. But I'm sure some would have gave. And maybe so, but for whatever reason, he decided not to. He said, because he wanted them, not the money. He says, after all, children don't provide for their parents. Rather, parents provide for their children. So he says, I will gladly spend myself and all I have for you, even though it seems, even though it seems that the more I love you, the less you love me. <laughs> that's tough right there, man. He said, man, look, the phone. you know, that's bad. Like, that's how he in a relationship. You know, look, like, and you got an expectation that this relationship going to be a give and take, a give and give, and give and give back and forth. And then they look at man, look like the more I love you, the less you love me. I thought Paul didn't have no children. <laughs> Did I hear somebody want to say something? <laughs> So, 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 so let me move on so we can finish this up. He said, man, Paul was saying, look, I expected you to at least write me a letter, man. You could have wrote me a letter. I love you guys. I came there. I went through all that I went through there. Didn't ask you for nothing. The least you could do was show me some love. All I was but just a little love. Look at this way he said, verse 16 through 18 says, some of you admit I was not a burden to you. But others still think that I, am, I was sneaky and took advantage of you by trickery. So folks will still be in that. You know, them lies are strong, man. Lies just don't die. When they get to circulating, it's hard to kill lies, man. They just, people, will, people will just believe lies before they believe the truth in a day. Because he says, some of you admit that I was not a burden. But others still think I was sneaky and took advantage of you by trickery. Then he come back and try to defend himself again. But how? Did any of the men I sent to you take advantage of you? Talking about when he sent Titus and those guys, Timothy there. He says, when I urged Titus to visit you and sent our brothers with him, did Titus take advantage of you? No. Then he says, for we have the same spirit and we walk in each other's steps. Doing things the same way. That's kind of like when we was in the military and people talk about we walk in lockstep. You know, that when you see one, you see the other. And the way you do something, that's the way I'm going to do it. So he says, now look, if they came to you and operated like that, then they were operating in the same spirit that I operate in. And so even though you don't believe me, believe them and how they acted amongst you. Because we're the same spirit. You know, there was a time back in the day, you know, we, you know, when striving was first started back in the day, we used to walk really in lockstep. 
I mean, I mean, we first started this, I don't know what it was, maybe because all of us was new to ministry and trying to get it together. I mean, we used to walk in lockstep. Whatever the church was getting ready to do, everybody was locked. I mean, and, and you know, the little stuff that we're doing now, compared to what we used to do back in the day, there ain't nothing. And the reason I believe that is because I don't think we walk in lockstep anymore. I don't think everybody has bought into how we do things and why we do things. So therefore, we still do things, but we don't do it at the magnitude that we used to. Because we used to walk in lockstep. And, and so he's saying, because we have that same spirit and we walk in lockstep, when you saw Titus, you were seeing me. When you saw Timothy, you were seeing me. So if you don't have nothing bad to say about them, you don't have nothing bad to say about me. He says, now look, let me read on, and I'm almost done. He says, perhaps, verse 19, you think we're saying these things just to defend ourselves. No, we tell you this as Christ's servants. And with God as our witness, everything we do, dear friends, is to strengthen you. So this is all about you and not about us because of the love that they had for this church. They was willing to make sacrifices and be all that God wanted them to be so this church would grow. He was doing all for their benefit. He says, look at verse 20. For I'm afraid that when I come I won't like what I find. In other words, there's still some hard-headed folk in there. That, that's stirring up stuff, and you won't like my response. I am afraid that I will find quarreling in the church, strife and contention and arguing among church folk. I will find jealousy. I will find folk envying each other, but basically, you know, the Corinthian church, the church had the gifts, and that was ones who had the more spiritual spell because they spoke in tongues, and they had all the gifts. They was better than others. And so therefore, they was aiming each other. I want this gift. I want to do what this person do. He said, I think that's going to be still going on. I'm going to find anger there. Man, there's going to be temper tantrums thrown in the church. I'm going to find selfishness, slander. Going to be folk lying and putting out lies in the church. Gossiping. I mean, going to be folk talking behind folk back. Arrogance. And disorderly behavior. Now, man, that's a long list of things that you're going to find in the church that you started. And he said, when I get there, man, I think I'm going to find some of this stuff in the church, and then I'm going to have to, you know, bring in my apostolic authority. Then in verse 21, he says, yes, I am afraid that when I come, God will humble me in your presence. And I will be grieved because many of you have not given up your old sins. Man, still doing the same thing you were doing 20 years ago. Many. He said all. So y'all in here tonight, I'm going to put y'all in the opposite category. Since y'all here tonight. Are you online? I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt to you. He says, I will be, be grieved because many of you have not given up your old sins. You have not repented 
from your impurity, your sexual immorality, and eagerness for lustful pleasure. Wow. So he felt like once I come back and visit you guys, I'm going to find out. And in order to get an appreciation for that verse right there, you have to go back when we did 1 Corinthians and when he found out all the foolishness that was going on in the church. You know, when you read chapter 3 or 4 of 1 Corinthians, where the man was sleeping with his father's wife and they didn't do nothing about it and everybody was doing all kind of crazy stuff in the church. And Paul said, hey, y'all should have took some matters in your own hand and at least put him out for a little bit. Let's say buff him a little bit and then when he repent, bring him on back. So he said, look here, when I get that man, I sure hope I ain't going to find some of that same stuff going on in the church. Because if I do, I'm going to have to deal with it. And so... It's tough when you have to write a letter like this to a church that you love, a church that you sacrifice for, and you thought they got your message. But we find out from here that this is a church that has all the spiritual gifts working in this church. And so spiritual gifts in the church don't keep church folk from sinning. I know y'all didn't believe, won't believe that, did you? Y'all thought because the gift shows up, all the sin go away. No, no, no. That ain't how that works. Because if, if spiritual gifts could get rid of sin, then this church would have been at the top of the list, man. This would have been a perfect church. Because they definitely had the gifts. But they didn't understand how those gifts should be used in a way to uplift and build up the kingdom and not tear each other down and make the gift more important than the giver of the gift. So Paul had a challenge with this church, and so he was praying that when he go back there, that he would not have to go in with strong arm authority over them because he founded the church. That's tough. That's tough. Any comments as we get ready? We close it out this chapter. Any comments? Any comments? Brother Herb. Well, it's so strange though, Pastor, about uh, day of, uh, of Paul as founding the church and gave himself and what he taught to them and they kind of went back. It's almost the same as time as in the Old Testament, how often God has loved his people and his people have turned their back against him. I mean, it's almost like it's nothing new under the sun. Amen. When it comes to human beings, to a point where uh, even Paul experienced the same thing as God had done for his people in, in the Old Testament. And I'm saying what you're saying today, even today, I'm, it, you're going to find the same thing. We, we have seen that. We have witnessed our world. We have seen the same thing where even today people will have gotten what they have received, and then all of a sudden they turn it back against what the already know. Amen. And, and we're living in a time now, and as I wrap this up, you know, to prolong the conversation, but we are definitely living in a time now where a lot of people are questioning what they believe and being pulled away from the faith because, you know, the church is not doing a good job of defending the gospel, and the church is not doing a good job of being a good witness and a good representative in the world, and we don't have a, a convincing argument anymore. 
And because that we don't have that convincing argument, young people think we can't relate to them or don't know them, don't understand where they are, or they see things from a different perspective, and we're not able to kind of meet them where they are and then try to get them to shift their perspective. So therefore, the church has become obsolete to a lot of people. So Pastor, would you say, would you use the same term he used? He said many. Would you say some, or would you use the same term today, like many? You would say many? Or would you say it's going to be some that turn away from the gospel? It's going to be some that still, no matter how long they've been in the church, they're still going to commit some of these sins. But many, that's, that's, that's probably a larger proportion than are not. Yeah, that's, you know, it's hard to quantify what he meant by many, but yeah, many mean more than probably one or two. You know, he could have said a couple of y'all cutting the food, but he said a few, but he said many. So maybe, you know, 45, 55, you know, <laughs> we don't know. But all we can do is, you know, continue to preach the word, continue to teach the word, and continue to believe that the Holy Spirit can change people's lives. You know, realizing that we're all a work in progress, but at the same time, God has an expectation as we have our children. He expects us to continue to grow. He don't want us to get stagnant, stop growing, and stop doing the thing that's going to be pleasing to him. Amen? Amen. All right, then. All right. Well, with that said,